We are continuing the sermon series through the Lord's Prayer. This morning, looking at the second and third petitions, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you're visiting with us today, I, I, I hope that you will notice, I hope all of us will notice how even the liturgy itself reflects these themes of the kingdom of God, the hymn, the opening hymn that we just sang, for example, in the prayer about um, living as giving expression to the kingdom of God by living according to the fruit of the Spirit in our life and so forth. So we want our worship service to, to be coherent and to hold together and to one aspect of it to reinforce the other. And along those lines, now we'll read from the Heidelberg Catechism, one of our historic confessions of the Reformed, that is, Reformation faith, uh, in its exposition of the second petition. And I would commend also uh, the Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechisms uh, and the Heidelberg, not only for the second petition, but also the third petition. You may meditate on that this afternoon. Uh, Again, if you need a catechism, we will provide it. Just let us know. But let's read responsively now from the Heidelberg. What does the second petition mean? Thy kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit, so that more and more we submit ourselves to you, preserve and increase your church, destroy the works of the devil, destroy every force which exalts itself against you, and also all wicked counsels devised against your holy word, do this until the full perfection of your kingdom takes place, wherein you shall be all in all. Now let us ask the Lord's blessing upon the reading and the hearing of his word and its application to our lives. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the gift of your only begotten Son, Jesus, who now sits at your right hand and rules over the world and over us as our King. And we pray in his name for the anointing of the Holy Spirit afresh upon us so that our minds would be opened with spiritual understanding, the eyes of our hearts be enlightened with spiritual illumination, and our souls turned more and more in submission to your word. Grant this, we pray, so that we might live more truly, faithfully, and fully as the citizens of your kingdom upon the earth, to the glory of your name. Amen. From the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, I'll begin the reading this morning at verse 7. Jesus said, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Last Sunday, I referred to the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be thy name, as a prayer of spiritual warfare. And that description also applies now to the second and third petitions, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The instruction which we just read from the Heidelberg Catechism expresses the way in which these petitions are in fact battle cries in our spiritual struggle against the world that is in its fallen estate, the flesh that is our own residual sinful nature, and the devil the spiritual personality of evil. So spiritual warfare in this context means simply that for Christians, our weapons are not worldly physical weapons. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we are not waging warfare according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we as Christians engage in spiritual warfare by wielding the spiritual weapons. See Ephesians chapter 6, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and by prayer in the Spirit, that is prayer in accordance with the Word of God. So as we pray the first petition, hallowed be thy name, and the second and third petitions, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we ought to pray them with the same attitude or the same verve with which we sing onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before Thy kingdom come. Does this petition have to do with God's kingdom coming in the future? Or does it have to do with God's kingdom here and now in the present? The answer is yes. When we pray thy kingdom come, we are praying for the advance and strengthening of the kingdom in the present and for the coming of the kingdom in its final fullness and glory. We'll look at both aspects of that. Now, if you think about it, God's kingdom was first revealed when God said, let there be light, and there was light. He is the king of creation who spoke this world and everything in it into existence by divine fiat. Let it be spoken, let it be done. But then, the king's vice-regent on earth, Adam, 
rebelled as a traitor by his disobedience and plunged all creation into the bondage of sin and death and brought humanity under the dominion of the devil. And thus began the long war between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And old covenant Israel, you know, had a hope of the coming of the kingdom of God with the coming of the Messiah, when God's covenant people would be delivered from all their enemies, and that's the history of the Old Testament. And then John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means right at the door, about to break in. Jesus also began his ministry proclaiming, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And then during his ministry, Jesus revealed, Jesus demonstrated and proclaimed the presence of the kingdom of God in his ministry, in his person, by casting out demons, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, healing the afflicted, declaring sins to be forgiven. Jesus proved that the kingdom of God had come and was present in and through him. And then on the cross, Jesus, the promised redeemer, the seed of the woman, crushed the head of the serpent. And his resurrection revealed the decisive victory of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of Satan. And then by his ascension into heaven, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was revealed to be the exalted Messiah, the royal son, great David's greater son, enthroned and ruling at the Father's right hand. And 1 Corinthians 15, 25 says that there he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And by the way, did you, did you get that? We just sang that. He sits at, right, at God's right hand until all his enemies are at his feet. So the kingdom of God is a present reality. Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords. Indeed, as Revelation, uh, Revelation 1.5 says, He is the ruler of the kings on earth. He's been exalted to the highest place and given the name above every name. The war has been won. The victor has been revealed. But the battle rages on. That serpent with a crushed head continues to writhe and spew his venom. The nations continue to rage and to conspire to dethrone the anointed son at God's right hand. And so the kingdom of God has not yet come in all its fullness and perfection throughout all the earth. And so we pray, thy kingdom come. We pray for that great and glorious day when Christ shall come again and the last enemy, death, shall be destroyed and our perishable bodies shall be raised imperishable our mortal bodies clothed with immortality and all creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption 
and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come. But brothers and sisters, as we pray for the coming of that great and glorious day, we also pray, thy kingdom come here and now more and more as a present reality in our personal lives, in the corporate life of the church, and thereby to a greater degree in the world at large. This is how it is a prayer of spiritual warfare. Now, let me say this clearly, and I want everybody here to get it. I want you to, I really want you to get this. When we pray, thy kingdom come, with a longing for the glorious return of Jesus Christ, as we should do, we do not do so, we do not do so, we must not do do so in a spirit or attitude of defeatism, escapism, cowardice, fearful faithlessness, or simply spiritual sloth because we'd really rather not engage in the spiritual battles to which the Lord calls us in our day. We just want Jesus to come and rescue. Oh, no, it's, that's wrong. I hear it all the time. It's wrong. Brothers and sisters, it is the sure and certain hope of Christ's coming in power and glory the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of our bodies to life everlasting in the glorious kingdom of God, in the new creation, which gives us courage and good cheer to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain until He comes again. And that includes our daily spiritual warfare against the forces of the fallen world, the sinful nature within us, and the spiritual forces of Satan and his minions. When we pray for the coming of the kingdom in its future glory, we must also pray for the coming of the kingdom more and more and more in our lives and on the earth here and now. The prayer for the advance of God's kingdom in the present is, in fact, the main emphasis of our catechisms. And you, you see that in the emphasis of the, the Heidelberg Catechism, which we just read, and the Westminster Shorter and Larger, which I commend to you. The Shorter Catechism says that in the second petition, Thy kingdom come, we pray that Satan's kingdom may be destroyed and that the kingdom of grace may be advanced, ourselves and others brought into it and kept in it, and that the kingdom of glory may be hastened. 
So as we look and long and pray for the coming of the kingdom in its final fullness and glory, we pray thy kingdom come as a prayer for ourselves and for one another. As those who have pledged our allegiance to Jesus Christ and his kingdom, that we would truly and faithfully live as loyal subjects of his kingdom in this world here and now. John Calvin commented that this petition requests that, quote, God would shape all our thoughts in obedience to his rule and that we ourselves, members of his church, would be cleansed of all corruptions that disturb the peaceful state of God's kingdom and sully its purity. So thy kingdom come is a prayer for our own personal sanctification and growth in holiness. It's a prayer for the increase of the visible church on earth in number and in purity of doctrine and in peaceable fellowship. Because you see, our life together as the church, the way we worship together, the way we live together, the way we relate to one another, the way we work together, the way we witness together, our life together as the church is to be an expression, a manifestation, a making visible of the kingdom of God on earth. That's who we are. That's what we're called to be and do. A visible expression of the kingdom of God on earth. Now, is it evident in my personal life, in your personal life, in our corporate life together as a congregation, is it evident that Jesus Christ is my, your, our king? So we pray, thy kingdom come and make itself real and visible to a greater and greater degree in my and your and our life. And further, this petition is a battle cry for God's kingdom to advance in this world against all his enemies. It is a prayer that the purity of the church would increase our, our effectiveness as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Make a difference. It, it's a prayer for the preaching of the word to be accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit so that God's kingdom would advance throughout the world and for the church to be built up in truth and love in the bond of peace in every nation and for the strongholds of sin and Satan to be torn down, for the captives to be set free, for spiritually blind eyes to be opened, hearts of stone to be transformed into hearts tender and warm toward God so that more and more people would be called out of darkness, out of the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, delivered from the oppression of Satan, saved from the curse of death and the wrath of God forever. It's a prayer of spiritual warfare and we ought to wield it as such. It's a prayer for wickedness in high places to be cast down and for God's righteousness to be exalted. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are praying for righteous rulers in civil government and in seats of justice 
Public officials who fear the living God so that righteousness may be exalted in our land and in every nation. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are praying that the laws of this land and the laws of every nation would more nearly conform to the moral law of God in the fear of Him to the honor of His name, so that truth and liberty and peace may flourish in our common public life. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are praying for God's scepter of truth and righteousness to deliver us from the satanic insanity that now rules in the public education establishment, the media, the supposed scientific and medical elite societies, and every other influence of our culture through the ideology of Marxist revolution. Thy kingdom come. You like the way things are in America? You like that? Pray, thy kingdom come, but never, ever, ever with a defeatist or escapist attitude. Pray it courageously, cheerfully, and confidently, and ready to engage the world, the flesh, and the devil in spiritual warfare with the assurance of the final victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen? And therefore, with the advance of His kingdom on earth as our prayer, we also pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now here again, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is not a prayer of passive resignation. This is not a prayer of passive relinquishment and surrender. Thy will be done. Now sometimes, to pray thy will be done as a, 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 a passive relinquishment or surrender, sometimes it's, it's a very appropriate. Sometimes when we just don't know what to do, our situation seems so confusing and overwhelming and, and so far beyond us and we're at an absolute loss or, or it has to do with things over which we have absolutely no control, sometimes it's very appropriate for us to throw up our empty hands and pray thy will be done. But, but that's not primarily the point of this petition in the Lord's Prayer. That's not primarily the point of this petition in the Lord's Prayer. That's not the context, and that's not the focus. This is a prayer. Now, here we go. We're going to connect the dots. We're going to connect the dots between these two petitions. This is a prayer that as citizens of God's kingdom on earth, we would do God's will on earth as it is done in heaven. This is a prayer that as citizens of God's kingdom on earth, we would do God's will on earth as it is done in heaven. Now, what happens in God's heavenly kingdom? God's will is done. 
God's word is obeyed by the heavenly host of angelic beings. Now, how, how is God's will done in heaven by his angelic servants? Half-heartedly? Slovenly? With a bad attitude? After some procrastination? When God commands one of his angels to go on a mission, do you think the angel says, do I have to? When God gives a command in heaven, does the angel say, I'll get around to it? Or, I don't see why I've got to do that. Is that how God's will is done in heaven? You see, by doing God's will revealed in His Word, promptly, consistently, cheerfully, courageously, we demonstrate or make visible the kingdom of God on earth. The doing of His will in obedience to His Word shows that He is our King. And so we pray for ourselves and for one another, thy will be done by me, by my fellow Christians, as faithfully, happily as the angels do in heaven. Okay? Well, what is God's will revealed in his word that we are to do as it is done in heaven on a daily basis? We can begin with the moral law of God in the Ten Commandments, especially as we apply them positively in the light of the gospel. We know that it is God's will that we worship only Him in spirit and truth with reverence and awe, that we don't worship the work of our hands, that we revere His name, that we keep the Sabbath holy, that we honor our father and mother, that we protect and promote human life, that we honor, protect, preserve and promote the institution of marriage with sexual purity, that we respect private ownership of property, and that we help the, the poor with our financial resources, that we speak truth and uphold justice, and that we live contentedly with what we have with thanksgiving to God. That's the doing of God's will in shorthand. And we're called to do it every day. And so we pray for ourselves and for one another, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can expand this with all the New Testament moral and ethical imperatives, the commands that we have in the New Testament, that we love one another, love our neighbor as ourselves, love one another as Christ has loved us, which means laying down our lives for one another in self-sacrificial service that we relate to one another with humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance, maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, that we share and use the gifts which God has given us for the building up of the church and the relief of the needs of the poor. It is a prayer. Thy will be done. It is a prayer for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and for wives to respect their husbands. 
for fathers to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord and for children to obey their parents in the Lord. It is a prayer that we, as citizens of the kingdom of God, shun every form of greed and envy and bitterness and impurity and immorality and pursue holiness and show hospitality and do nothing with grumbling and do everything with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. It is God's will that we give thanks in all circumstances. Now, Do you feel the need to pray? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven for yourself and for your fellow Christians. You see, this is what it means truly in real life, in real time, to live as a child of the Father, a brother or sister of Jesus, a citizen of the kingdom of God, that we redeemed by the blood of Christ and filled with His Spirit, should walk in newness of life, doing God's will on earth as it is done in heaven. Wouldn't you agree that we need to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven in order for us to live more fully, more faithfully, as the citizens of his kingdom, to make his kingdom more visible in this world. So go to war, brothers and sisters, spiritually speaking. Go to war with the power of prayer for the honor of God's name, the advance of his kingdom, and the doing of his will on earth as it is in heaven. Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before until he comes again in power and glory to judge the living and the dead and we share in his glory together with him. Amen. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son. We give you thanks that by his grace, by his perfect life, atoning sacrifice, victorious resurrection, triumphant ascension into heaven, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have our citizenship in heaven. But help us now to live, therefore, as the salt of the earth and the light of the world in obedience to our King Jesus and to the glory of your name. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand.
to affirm our faith as we say together the Philippian Creed, which is based on the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2. Christians, in whom do you believe? We believe in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count the quality of God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 